0: Right? Bismillah Alhamdulillah Salamu wa ala rah. Another special edition of this Revert show. We've got a beautiful guest, a guest that I've been waiting, we've been waiting a long time to actually sit down with Alhamdulillah. As you guys might have uh remember, right before COVID 19 yeah. was a big banger, we actually were supposed to be here in this place at Defa Place. And by the way, Adafah is a big sponsor and one of our main people for the Reverse show. We're supposed to do a live show right here. Yes. On this, uh, in this place, Mashallah. But Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala did not permit it to happen. And uh, quarantine hit. and Everybody was quarantined at home. And Qaddar Allah wa ma Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. So, Brother Richard. Richard Kaifa. Yes. I'm glad to see you and actually you. sit with you. Yeah. Finally. Nice. Alhamdulillah yeah. rabbil yeah, alamin. I mean. Yeah, COVID knocked us right out of this. Oh, right out yeah. of the picture. Oh yeah, it sure did. Yep. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Uh but Alhamdulillah we're here. We're healthy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed us. I mean that we are not uh from the unfortunate ones mm-hmm. that were um affected very hard and bad yeah, by so this right. by this virus. So yeah. um we would like to Uh, get to know you more, and of course, uh, the audience would like to know who you are, more about your background, and things that everybody probably are wondering, how did you become a Muslim, how uh, things kind of started, you know, building up in your life to get you to this point, because everything that happens, happens for a reason, subhanAllah. So we'll start off with your background, where you come from, where, where you grew up at, and all that good stuff, Alhamdulillah.
1: Hey, I grew up in Cumberland, Maryland, uh, up in the hills. Uh, uh, we were a bunch of hillbillies, and uh, <laughs> we were very poor, and uh, uh, family didn't go to church necessarily, uh, but because of the influence of, uh, let me see, 10 doors, 10 or 11 doors down, there was a, a friend who went to school with me, and she introduced me, said, yeah, we got this church, and... Um, through a long series of events. When I was 12, I became a Christian Uh and started attending this church and uh, uh, did so up through high school. I was very active. Mm -hmm. Um, Youth groups, activities, trips, mission trips, conferences, whatever. Um, You were all uh, up in there. Well, you know, part of it is uh, that was 1960. Yikes. Wow, yikes! And in little Cumberland, Maryland, uh-huh. uh huh. Actually, I lived out outside of town, even more hickish, and uh, there was nothing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the church was the center of the community. We went there on Sunday morning for a Sunday school, for a Sunday morning church, for um, uh, evening youth group, and then an evening service. In the middle of the week, we had another service, and so we were. We're just constantly, you know, everything was at church.
0: So, so, uh-huh. so yeah. they, they were actually taking advantage of the youth and, you know, keeping everybody busy, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. that's good for a community, regardless mm-hmm. of what kind of community they are. But yes. well, that's good that they keep everybody, everybody yeah. active and yeah. going forward. Yeah, no, it,
1: it was it was very good. Uh, all my friends, um, you know, kind of came out of that church area, mm-hmm. and. um, um like I said, even when I went to high school, all my close friends were the kids from my church. And uh, that's the way life was. Nice. Like I said, we were very... Actually, I couldn't... Could, I've got to go back and retract. I I say I was poor. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't know that at that time. You uh, didn't realize but, that? Did no, that? no. My mom and dad both worked. We had a small little house. We had you know, one car, uh-huh. Uh one black and white TV, one phone... I mean, we, we did have indoor plumbing. But that was that, 1960 what? 1960, even.
0: 1960. Yeah, 1960. That, that was but. a time when those who had a TV
1: was not poor, I believe. Well... My, they they were doing good. My dad worked for a department store. And uh-huh. As a result, he got a discount ah. and, and came home one day with his monster <laughs> screen this big, TV, and... Uh, and that was the first time you guys seen it, huh? We had one channel, All right? And uh, that was Johnstown, Pennsylvania channel, and then we ended up with the Washington D.C. Uh, Baltimore channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had this humongous antenna on top of the roof to yeah. reach those. I mean, there was no cable, satellite. Exactly. Uh, it was just like whatever you can pick out of the air, dude, is <laughs> yours. And we lived at the base of a mountain, and my dad even took the antenna to The top of the mountain and then so he catch, more channels, catch more channels and run coax all the way down the hill, you know, nailing things to the trees all the way down and then to our house. And we had this motor that rotated the antenna, yes. So I mean, it was just it was crazy. I remember that in the 80s, that was something new for us, yeah. Honestly,
0: mm-hmm. the 80s we had something like that, yeah. But you had in the 60s, that's that's something,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we were you know, um. We're, we had a good, good life, and uh, things were good. Mom and Dad worked hard, and, uh, and, and life was good. Uh, we didn't know we were poor mm-hmm. until, uh, uh, was it, when was that? About 1964, uh, President Lyndon Johnson visited our town uh-huh. and, and told us how poor we were. Up until that point, we really didn't know. Wow. So it was this Appalachian recovery program, and... Uh, I was like, okay. So, in
0: comparison with the rest of the United States, yeah, yeah. that that little town possibly Where, was one a, of the poor ones. A, it's a
1: rural area. You know, uh-huh. It was a, a blue collar, you know, uh, factory town. Uh, everybody worked, got along. Everybody, it was, it was different. And it was good. Nice, nice. So, I grew up there, and uh, I was Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because my friend from down the street was a Baptist. Oh, really? Okay. So, uh, uh, my mom and dad did not attend church. Uh, that wasn't a thing. It wasn't that thing, huh? No, and I mean they didn't prevent us from. Or uh, actually, my mom took me a couple times to a Methodist church nearby. Uh, but we weren't church people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so when I met a friend, good group groups of friends, you know, you kind of get that youth groupy kind of camaraderie. You just you just kind of bond there. Right, friends
0: thing. always pulling friends together. Yep. Yeah. Even in, in Islam, they say, uh, "I'll tell you who you are if you tell me who your friends are." Yes, and because friends will do mostly mm-hmm. what other friends do. Yes, you know. So nice. So that was yeah.
1: That was growing that, up.
0: That was a nice growing up yeah, uh, and, memory.
1: Uh, you know, I uh, I went through the whole thing. You know, I joined the church. Uh, they had a, a a ritual called baptism. Uh-huh. They kind of dunk you in the water, and yeah, that's kind of a symbol of you being a Christian and. Uh, the, does that
0: water. does that water have to be as as I know from the Jordan River?
1: No, no, it's no. from It's from
0: the fossil. <laughs> <laughs> cuz I come enough. from Jordan, right? right. And yeah. there's a special spot over there um yeah. called the baptism uh site. Right. Yes. And uh, from everywhere people come and they dump themselves in that river, Jordan River, okay? And they say that's the holiest spot cuz Jesus walked through it. Jesus salatu yeah. Salam walked through that water and it became holy or whatever, okay? So that's, the water that you were dumped in was in the same house? No, it was a faucet.
1: <laughs> okay. it, it, was, it was a uh, a like a little pool in the church mm-hmm. um, that they'd fill it with water. And then, you know, it's kind of like a big, big, deep bathtub. And, <laughs> and it worked. You'll take that out as a so, quick <laughs> <laughs> So we did that. And then uh, where my life really kind of turned was when I was a, yeah junior in high school, we went to a youth conference in Ocean City, New Jersey, uh-huh. Uh huh. 1,200 kids from all over the East Coast uh, coming together for, for a Bible conference, for a study, for swimming, for volleyball, lots of fun stuff. Nice. And uh, we had one speaker uh, one night who challenged people that if you really wanted to serve God you would do that as a minister, Mm -hmm. whether a missionary, a minister in a church, or or some facet like that. And I don't know why, that just kind of synced with my heart. Really? And uh, I came away from there, and I went, you know, I think that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a minister. Amen. And uh, so I went home. I finished my senior year. And then packed up my bags and headed for college. Um, and the college the was? Cornerstone University uh-huh. in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. That's how I got out here. Uh
0: huh. Why um, did you pick this college? Was it something that yeah, you had a scholarship
1: to <coughs> or something? or? No, there was, it was associated with my church. I see. It was the same kind of denomination and the same beliefs and all that, and it was approved. And they said, this, You want to be a minister? Yeah, you go out here to Grand Rapids and, and okay. do thing. So, moved out to Grand Rapids, and uh, seven years later, yeah, I graduated with my, had my bachelor's degree and then my divinity master's degree to, mm-hmm. to be a pastor. And uh, so that was... That was
0: a journey to that becoming that, a
1: pastor. That was a journey, yeah, that was a journey at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we finished up. And uh, began a journey of that lasted 43 years of being a pastor or a youth minister in a number of facets, uh, mostly here in the Detroit area. Wow. The first uh, church that I served at was at a corner of Seven Mile and Gratiot over on the east side. Mm-hmm. And um, ended up staying in this area um a big chunk of my time I spent with an organization called the Voice of Christian Youth, mm-hmm. which was a youth. My heart was just really for kids. Wow! It was like um, I liked catching up with kids. We we used to we used to call them kids that fall into cracks. Into cracks. Yeah, they just you know there was a divorce in the home. Um, they're living with grandma. Um, there's other problems at school. Maybe there's legal problems. Mm-hmm. And so my my pulpit, so to speak, um, was not only in the church itself, but I would find myself, uh, you know, at a McDonald's at some crazy hour counseling a kid. Really? Or maybe a Wayne County, you know, home not home, but uh, Wayne County jail. Mm. Talking to kids, um, uh, um, what's out there? Um, Children's Village in Pontiac. Okay. Where they incarcerate, you know, young people. The younger ones. Yeah. And just, you know, you walk in and there's a kid going, you know, I don't know how I got here, but help me get out, and help me get my life straight. So I, I, enjoyed that particular challenge of those, those. So those, those you had that in you ever yeah. since. Yeah. So we ran with that, uh, uh, it's about As far as the body would run, uh, you finally reach a point where campouts, being out all nights of the you know, all hours of the night, and counseling, and going on t- canoe trips, and hiking, and Cedar Point roller coasters, and you just go, this body is not going to do this anymore. Uh-huh. And, uh, I had enough time. Uh-huh. time, time so I retired uh, from the full time in 90, 1995. Oh, and then I just did part time pastoral work until 2015, mm-hmm. and then I was done. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just kind of
0: enough is enough, huh?
1: Yeah, you're just you're, you're, you're burned out, you're just tired. So, uh, that was it. Um, uh, that's where I ended up in 2016. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, what kind of Really was the existential moment uh-huh was when one of the kids I had worked with probably for five years grew up, <clears throat> got married, moved away, went out west with his wife and kids, and I heard through the grapevine that he'd become an atheist, really, and this was like you know one of our poster kids, you know the uh-huh. He was a memorizer of the Bible. Uh he was a leader of the clubs. He was he was just a leader kid. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden he just went, eh. No wonders really. anymore. No no God, no nothing. Um, everything came out of a, a splash. It huh? just it is like, what? And um we'll call him Sammy for now. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but Sammy was like, What? I mean you've got to memorize so much of the New Testament in we used to have Bible debate competition type of things, kind of like a Bible Bowl uh-huh. or a Quiz Bowl thing. And he was a champion of that. We went all over the country. So, I mean, he was a top, top kid. Top notch nice kid, huh? Um, very committed. And he had a wake up call one morning, I guess, and said, "This is all false, it's a fraud. I don't want it anymore." Subhanallah. So, so what's? What's Reverend Rich going to do? Right. Going to, I'm going to fix him. Yeah, go fix him up, <laughs> huh? <laughs> I'm going to fix him. You get that belt and fix him <laughs> <So> up. <laughs> get, uh, well, he's too far for me to get the belt. Uh. <laughs> so I get on the phone and go, Sammy, what's going on? And I just don't believe anymore. And I was like, well, tell me. Tell me what you don't believe. And How did it what, happen? Just all or, of a yeah, what, what's going on? And I, if you've got questions, I know I can answer. I mean, I've studied the Bible. I got degrees in studying the Bible. Got, How I, many degrees do you have in the Bible? Just two. Just two. That, okay. a two but you, know, you got 40 some years of experience and experience study exactly. on top of the formal education. And so, in types. your mind, you know everything in the Bible. Is no, I don't what? know everything, but I know a lot of it. Right. And it was like Samuel I mean, goes, and he started asking a question. And I give him the. The Bible answer. The, well, i give him the corporate answer. The corporate answer. <laughs> ah. And it was such First. a thing as. Uh, here's the, here's the answer that I've been trained Salaam. Salaam. and taught. And uh, Go ahead. I, yeah, and uh, he's there, he would ask a question, and I would oh here. Oh, here's the answer well, you're talking about the Bible. Yeah, but, no, it's the inherent word of God, and here's how we know because of the manuscripts and study. And he would go, but "What about this particular passage of the Bible? Looks like it was added." added. Oh, nice. And I go, "No, I don't know." If it was it. So he he start asking second layer questions. Uh huh. I could answer the easy ones, the corporate ones that memorized. But he started asking all these other questions, and I was like. Let me get back to you. Ah. Uh, and so I, did, I pulled out all my theology books that I'd study and read, and they go, okay, here's the answer for that. And he'd go, well, what about he'd go another level? Okay. Uh, he'd start talking about uh, the resurrection. How would, why did God have to send his son to die? Why couldn't he just say, I forgive you? I mean, exactly. Uh, why is Christianity a religion of human uh, execution? Execution? I mean, it's, why is that blood religion? Uh-huh.
0: Uh, and then other
1: passages of different things of the Bible, contradictions and... Um, So I started digging. Now, Uh okay, now let let me preface this whole thing with when I grew up, there wasn't Google. Oh, yeah. Of course. On the Internet. Google wasn't until the end of the... When the the pastor got up front Uh and said, here's my Bible, here's what it says, you need to obey this. And this is it? Yeah. wasn't other resources? No. Uh No, there was like, oh, okay. Yes, sir. That sounds good. So that looks a little funny. You said this later? Okay, I got it. That's your main yeah.
0: source of uh, information. It's the only yeah. source.
1: Uh, that's, that's the only source. source. Yeah, that local newspaper. I mean, was yeah. <laughs> nothing going on out there. So, how? Uh, uh, I mean, when I wanted to do a term paper for high school, I went to the library. Uh, uh-huh. and it's been hours of study. Uh, um, but here was a whole situation where. I all of a sudden had access to answers. Uh, I had more resources through Google than what I had along the trail. I mean, even when I went to college, we had a big library. Right. But all the books were approved books the, right reinforced the statement of faith of the school. Of And so I started doing some reading and some researching as I was answering Sammy's questions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, man, all of a sudden you go, you know, he may be right about that one thing. He's got a point. And then, you know. Why, if that's the word of God, how comes we don't have any of the original manuscripts of that? Oh how comes most of the New Testament manuscripts that they have now are like from the eighth and ninth century and, you know, uh-huh what happened to the old ones how our how, how are, our how are copies made uh-huh. um We have a mental thing here it's like oh we go to we go to a copy store, place it on the glass machine how comes the copy They didn't have that in two hundred you know, AD. Exactly. They have people handwriting. Handwriting. And it didn't take me long to realize that I could take any book and sit down with paper and pen and book and say, I'm going to write this book out. Mm -hmm. I would make mistakes. Uh I would skip words. I would miss words. I would add words. That's right. I would skip lines. I'd leave out a whole line. It, it, it's like, so you've got these scribes from ancient days writing out what they knew, what they saw in front of them, but all of a sudden there's an error. Mm-hmm. So if there was a church, let's say a church here in Dearborn, and they had a copy of, let's say, the, the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament, right? Well, the people in Inkster wanted to get a copy. They'd have to send somebody over here, sit down, make a copy by hand, by hand, of the copy that you had. Before they would have a copy of their own. That's right. So this scribe from Inkster is now copying what the scribe from Dinkster, Inkster mm-hmm. from Dearborn from copied, Dearborn. right? Errors and all. Uh huh. And then he would get to a point of going oh, yeah, I think yeah, that, that guy awesome. in Dearborn made a mistake, so I'm going to correct it. So it has his own copy with his own yeah. words. And so all of a sudden you've got this generation of copies. And so when we speak about, people would say this is the inerrant word of God, this is the Bible, the inerrant word of God. Uh, they would say it's, it's of such in its original state. In it? mm-hmm. original copies, it's mm-hmm. errant It's inerrant. But we don't have them. That's true. We don't even have a copy of the, of, co- the, of the originals. Of the original, right? We don't have a copy of a copy of the original. The original. or the copy of copy of the copy. Of. We have a collection. Uh, I lost track of the number now. Last time I checked, it was like five thousand seven hundred and some odd manuscripts wow. that make up the Bible. Wow! All this collection from all over the world. Uh, not all. Most of the Middle East, of course. And uh, and who collected them? Yeah, well, you found them archaeologically and stuff. Oh, okay. And uh, none of them agree. None of them, them are. None of them have the that, same exact message the as the other. No. And so what we found out, that as I studied more, I would find that theologians would say, no, we probably don't have the exact original mm-hmm. message from the original copy mm-hmm. that uh, that came to be. But we're, we're, pretty, close. we're pretty, pretty close. Pretty close. Or maybe 90%. Oh, wow. I went, time out. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. This is God, the author. Of this Bible. Of this Bible. Uh-huh. And he's going to get 90% of it, right? Oh, it's not wrong. Is he not preserving this thing? Uh-huh. This is the book of the message wow. of eternal life for eternal hellfire and it's close. Close is not enough. That's that's horseshoes. You're exactly. Close. And I was like red flag. No, ninety if this is God's word, it's gotta be a hundred percent. Sure. it gotta be hundred yeah. percent. Well wait well, we, you start pulling the props out from under the Bible uh-huh. and all the other beliefs start crumbling really quick. Subhanallah uh, the concept of Jesus being God Oh man he never said that it was said about him uh-huh. but he why didn't he say it exactly why didn't he say disciples I am God pray to me and worship me. exactly why did he go in his prayer time and and look up and say my Creator and fall on his face before yeah, his God. God. Mm-hmm. If he's God, got pray to yourself. pray you to yourself, yeah. If, if there's, so all of a sudden you come around to the idea of, I believe in one God. <laughs> <laughs> and he's three. Oh, man. And I was like, well, oh, okay, this is not working. Um, the resurrection was a mystery uh, from a standpoint of... Um, Nobody saw it. Nobody saw the resurrection. No witnesses at all. The Bible story gives up, they put Jesus in a tomb, and we don't reconnect until he's visiting with his disciples. Mm -hmm. Now, here, uh, you know, I'm not God, obviously, and and I don't have the mind of God. Of course. But the Christmas story in the Bible. When, when the Christmas story came and and Jesus a.s. was born, angels singing, shepherds with sheep, uh, the wise man, I mean, the big deal stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. Here's the cornerstone event of all mankind, of all humanity. The Bible says if, there, if, if there's no resurrection, there is no eternal life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, okay, so this is a big deal. The resurrection is a big deal. Exactly. It's a base. It's it the base. They base everything on it. That's like, I'm reading through, reading through. I'm it. like, it's it it just, showed, it just kind of like, okay, the tomb's empty, he's alive. Uh-huh. Now, again, I'm not going to play God, but me and I would have had the stars back out. I would have had the angels singing. And I had a big deal out of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. They just crucified him, beat the tar out of him. I had him walk know? out of the tomb, the stone yeah, rolled away, that. some thunder, lightning, maybe a little earthquake. <laughs> and instead, you've got. Right.
0: It's becoming like a puzzle, like somebody guessed it. Somebody assumed this happened. It assumed
1: and it's based on, uh, according to the Bible, that Jesus, presented himself to 512 people, his disciples and followers afterwards. And based on that, they all said, well, he's a saw That's it. Wow. In a court of law, that's hearsay. Exactly. That doesn't it's, stick. It's hearsay. And I was like... I, I, tell me if I, when I need to change gears here, but I, I this gets me pumped up. No, no, good. Like, going. We need this. When, uh, when he met with his disciples at the end, the, the Bible records that Jesus told them to go tell this good story of a resurrection, forgiveness of sins. Go around the world, tell everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, I want you to start here in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? That's kind of was the center of things at that point. Right. So he got 512 people and said, go all over the world, tell the story of me, the Son of God, crucified, risen, for the forgiveness of my sins. Mm-hmm. And started Jerusalem. You 512, you go do it. Right. And then I start studying history a little bit. This whole event of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the trials, all that, happened during the Jewish Passover. Mm. Jerusalem was not an empty city during the Passover. No, it's not. Never Historians told us that at that time of of, of history, Jerusalem would be overrun by over 2 million people Wow! in the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So here's Jesus. And he wants to say, go tell everybody. There's 2 million people right down the road. Right. Why don't you go there? You crucified me. I'm here. You see the prints in my hands. Exactly. I'm alive. God has come to you. Believe. Uh-huh. Yeah, why didn't and, and, he do that? And everybody would have gone, run right well, away. They had to fall on their face, go, yes, you're a God. Uh-huh. But instead he goes, no, I'm just going to sneak off and I'm going to head off to heaven. You, five, <laughs> you, you, five, <laughs> you take five, care of business. You 512 people, go do it. But if uh-huh. you go into the into Jerusalem with 2 million people, those 2 million people aren't from Damascus. Mm-mm. They're from all over the world who have exactly. come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And they they're there. I I presented that question to a to a a Christian one day, and the answer was, "Oh, he was probably afraid that that they'd kill him. kill him again." I went, "Wait a minute, time out." (laughs) You say he's God, right? Right. He's you're going to kill God if he if God doesn't want to be killed. Oh man! And I was like, "What do you mean he's going
0: to?" You gave him the chance to come the first time, and he did. Now they're going to come again. (laughs)
1: That's like you know. I was like, that's "That's a." that's one of the dumber answers I've ever heard in my life about anything. So anyway, I go through all this stuff, and all of a sudden, my faith is going... Dropping. It. Um, it's, it's taking
0: uh, a semi-course, huh?
1: It, it's, uh, it's going down the hill of the millennium at Cedar Point, and it's ready to hit the bottom. Oh, boy. And after I, that took me two years, um, from 2016 to 2018 or I, de- I just deconverted. I just like, I'm an agnostic. I said, I, not an atheist. Uh-huh. I you believe in a God. I, I, there's, I think, I think there's a God.
0: Oh, awesome. I, I
1: don't know who he is. I don't know what religion he has. I think, because of what I've seen, there's, there's supernatural stuff going on in this world. Mm-hmm. But it, in the meantime, I was like, I'm stopping church. I don't read a Bible except to study, to find out more holes in it. Uh huh. And, uh, I was like I'm an like, agnostic I'm done, I'm done. and uh, so that's kind of where I ended in 2016 so from
0: Subhanallah Sami's turning into an atheist was a great thing for you yeah because it opened up your eyes it did Allahu Akbar That's
1: <laughs> it's crazy I'm sure
0: I'm I, hoping Sammy is listening or watching right now. Uh,
1: I don't know <laughs> from uh, all the way out to, well, West whether they're able to pick this up, but uh, I'm sure he would be mortified to think that he uh, led someone back to faith. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's what happened. And um, so um, that's kind of like the end of chapter one in a sense of, I, right. I became an agnostic. Allah and... Uh,